Oops, sorry about that. Those two have so much in common, I'm afraid I often get them confused. I mean, we usually think of them as both having beards and being surrounded by happy little children scurrying about. They both have quite an uncommon last name that starts with C. And what's with all the nicknames? They both have a ton of nicknames like Father Christmas, Prince of Peace, Saint Nicholas, Emmanuel, and so on. Speaking of names, does anybody else find it odd that they both somehow know everyone's name? And not just that, I hear they both like to keep detailed records on all of us. But they both seem like pretty generous guys, which is probably why we flood both of them with wish lists and then desperately hope they come through for us. The more I think of it, though, I guess there are a few important differences. For example, I don't think Jesus was known for wearing velvet, but Santa seems to be obsessed with it. Plus, no one has ever accused Jesus of breaking in through the chimney and eating all the cookies. In the end, I keep going back to Santa's naughty or nice distinction. If we're being totally honest, we'll probably find ourselves hoping Santa isn't too strict, or at least we hope he's grading on a curve. Jesus, on the other hand, came because none of us are nice enough. Of course, we keep trying to convince others and ourselves otherwise. Ultimately, Santa is about me and the stuff I so desperately want. But Jesus is about something more, the grace I so desperately need. Come to think of it, maybe they don't have that much in common after all. you guys are here. Did everybody have a good breakfast? Christmas presents, all that fun stuff. Oh, you don't do presents. Great. Uh, we did. I got new shoes. We're going to worship. Yes. Feel free to join us. Stand and worship with us.
captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile until the Son of God appears rejoice rejoice he may has come to
That's the next one. Just getting you ready. We, we were over there thinking, I think that's it. And we're like, okay. It's always great when we look up at the band and they're looking at us and then they're looking at each other. Merry Christmas. Any parents in the room get not quite enough sleep? Yeah, that was, that was me. We showed uh, Asher and Jubilee for the first time, It's a Wonderful Life. And they're like, it's black and white? But about 30 minutes in, they were hooked. And then they went to bed, and then uh, I had to wrap presents, watched A Miracle on 34th Street, then Scrooged. 
and then halfway through Elf, and then finally got them all done. <laughs> finally got them all done. But Merry Christmas. We're so glad that you were here. A couple quick announcements. Uh, this week, the only thing that our church is doing is Bible study on Wednesday night. Daryl is still going through Corinthians here in this room, Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And then we will be here a week from today. What's the best ever? Did you realize, and I know we think of Sunday the end of the week, but the Sunday's the first day of the week. And we always celebrate on Sunday because why? That's the day that the Lord was raised. Yeah? And so what's the best way to start a week? Here. Not in a building, but here with the church, because you're the church, I'm the church, we're the church, we're called together. We're messed up people, but we worship a perfect Father, and He calls us together, amen? And so what's the best way to start a year together in church? So January 1st, a week from today, we will be here. Like today, no Bible study, it'll just be one worship service at 11 o'clock. So we hope that you'll be there. So Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, and then Sunday, New Year's Day, we will be here at 11 o'clock. We hope to see you there. All right, let's take a moment, welcome each other, turn to somebody around you, and say hi. Welcome, Merry Christmas, that you're glad to see them. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you'll go back to your seats. As we do that, kids, there are some activities up here for you. I see three different color sheets and crayons. I see what looks like maybe are some stickers over here, some festive Christmas stickers. We are not going upstairs, so kids, if you would like something to color um, as we continue through our service, you are welcome to grab something. Parents and kids, we just ask a favor that the crayons come back. They can keep the color sheets, keep the stickers. It looks like we have a cool bookmark here, too, that they can get. Just make sure the crayons come back. Okay? All right. Let's pray. And then we're going to watch a video. But if you, come on, you can come up here and grab something. Shiloh, are you going to grab a color sheet? No? Okay. Okay. All right. All right, let's pray. Father, I am so thankful, so thankful that today we can come together as your, uh, as your people to celebrate the coming of your Son, the perfect gift for all of us, the one thing we truly need. We are imperfect. We are sinners. We have so many issues but because of what Jesus, your son, did for us on the cross, we can have forgiveness, and we are thankful. 
So on this Christmas day, Father, I pray from the youngest to the oldest that we realize why today is special, that we must have the cross in mind, Easter Sunday in mind, because you, Jesus, are not dead. You're our risen Lord, and we worship you, and we praise you, and we are excited that today we get to celebrate the first advent, your first coming, and as we look forward to your return. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is how Jesus Christ was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before they married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. All this took place to fulfill the Lord's promise through his prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. At this time, Emperor Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire, and everyone went to his own city to be registered. So Joseph had to leave Nazareth in Galilee and travel into Judea to Bethlehem, which is also known as the town of David. He went there to register with Mary. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. That night, there were shepherds living out in the fields near Bethlehem, keeping watch over their sheep. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Now after Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem, some wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem and asked, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. The star they had seen in the east appeared again. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed, and the star led the wise men to the place where the child was. As they arrived, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they fell to the ground and worshiped Jesus. Then opening their treasures, the wise men presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so Christ the Savior was born. He entered the world not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for you. Amen. Finish the sentence. Jesus is the... Okay, that's good. I was more thinking of this, uh, this saying that we have around Christmas let me back it up. <laughs> Blank is the reason for the season. There you go. But after Jesus, what's Christmas about? 
after Jesus, what's Christmas? What do you think about most of the time when it's concerning Christmas? Christmas. Presents. Thank you for honesty. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's church. I can't say that. Now, here's the question. Do you think more about getting presents or giving presents? All the kids said getting. All the parents grudgingly said giving. So I had another message that I was going to deliver today, um, and uh, I was going to start in John chapter 1, but I really, really want to be brief today. I want to be focused, and we're going to celebrate communion at the conclusion of the service, and I want to wrap it all up by noon. So that is really challenging for somebody like me, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to deliver a message to you that I've delivered several times in this church. I think it's really important. In fact, uh, I gave the short version of this to uh, one of the, the kitchen personnel over at Intrinsic, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in just a moment. But there are three kinds of people in the world, three. There are takers, and there are traders, and there are givers. Now, I didn't say traitors. I said traitors, right? Takers are usually criminals. They're sociopaths. They, uh, their, their mantra, their motto is, what's mine is mine, and what's yours is mine. And you better hang on to what you got, because they're going to try to get it away from you. They might get it away from you through a threat of violence and robbery. They might get it away from you by stealing. They might get it away from you by cheating. They might get it away from you by uh, lying to you and, and, you know, doing some sort of cheating that way. Uh, these are the people that we typically avoid. When you have a thief in your midst, you know it because stuff starts disappearing. These are takers, right? Now, some people, are, they're, they're wiser. They don't want to go to jail, so they just kind of take advantage of people. And they think that they're really, really smart if they can take advantage of you and get what you've got. Those are takers. Man, we avoid those people, right? Those people are dangerous, and then there are traders. Traders are people that say, what's mine is mine, and what's yours is yours. But we can trade. Now, we do this with our economy all the time. We trade money for stuff, right? We, give, we have a certain value on something, and you earn money by doing something, all right? Unless you're a taker, and then you steal it, right? But you earn money by doing something. And then you trade that value, that money, for the thing. Most of us in our nature are traders. So uh, virtually every adult in this room, you know how this feels. Somebody gives you a gift for Christmas, and what do you think? Oh, didn't get them anything. Guess I'm going to make a last-minute trip to Target. I wonder if Amazon is still going to have that same-day delivery thing, right? Because we don't want to feel like that, you know, they feel like we don't care, okay, all right? And so it's enjoyable. It's the same thing, really, right down to the minutia. It's the same thing with Christmas cards. Does anybody still give out Christmas cards, yeah. right? Or do you just email everything, right? I've got a few of them that, that I got, and I, I put them up there uh, with the church. I got these really, really nice Christmas cards this year uh, from one of the uh, the. the uh, uh, charities that we give to. Our church gives to charities all year long. We give to the Navigators, and the Navigators supply scripture all over the world. And they sent me these really beautiful Christmas cards. Well, I, I mean, I just 
don't know who wants a Christmas card these days, and so uh, I sent one to my mom. I thought, well, that, you know, that'll be nice. I sent one to her, you know, early. Um, but most of the time, if you give Christmas cards, you probably get them too, don't you? But if you've stopped giving out Christmas cards, there's also a really good chance that you don't get any or you don't get many, right? It's just the way we are. We're naturally traders. We want to, you know, have a, an, a, an exchange of value, right? I'm going to give you something. Now, there can be a trading that involves trying to elicit a gift from the other person, right? Uh, so, you know, let's say you know somebody that's pretty rich, and you're like, I'll give them a little gift, and hopefully they'll give me a big gift, right? Um, we're not all like that, but I think it's more natural for us to be traders. Well, God isn't a trader, and God isn't a taker. God is a giver, and I wonder if you are a giver. You see, that's what Christmas is all about. Again, if you're a kid, you don't have a job, you don't earn money, it's hard to think of giving. So maybe you make something and you give that to your parents, that sort of thing, okay? But you can pretty well tell the kind of person that someone is, even when they're a child, because they just really want to give. They have a, a, a giving heart. Now let's return to my, my friend who works in the kitchen uh, over here at Intrinsic. Maybe he'll come and visit sometime. I always try to leave the door open for people that I talk to. Uh, I'm not here to sell the church or give a big sales pitch for Jesus. I just try to shine the light, you know, life well, right? Show the, the kind of life we're supposed to live. But um, he came out of the kitchen and he had one of those, those styrofoam containers, you know, that you put take, take out in, right? And uh, he said, hey, he said, you want some meat? He said, I got a half a pound of turkey in here and a half a pound of chicken. And he said, I, I've got a refrigerator full of these things. Do you want some? I'm like, mm, yeah, of course. <laughs> Man, I eat for four days off of that. Quarter pound a day, right there. And so at that point in time, because I've talked to him before, you know, I told him, I said, yeah, there are takers, there are traders, and there are givers. And it's obvious to me that you're a giver because he wasn't giving that to me, expecting a tip. There's another young man that works over there, all right? And he's always looking out for me. Um, you know, I'll go back and I'll order my food. And then, I'll, you know, he'll say, yeah, you don't have to wait. Just go over and sit down. I'll bring it out to you. Now, sometimes they do that. Sometimes they don't. But, he, you know, he's always got my back. Now, I try to remember to tip, right? And I try to tip well. But this is another guy over there that just, he's just a natural giver. He's like here, right? We were sitting over there, uh, I don't know, a week, two weeks ago maybe, and uh, same fellow that I just referred to earlier uh, that gave me the, the, the meat. Now, this is at the end of the night. He wasn't stealing from Intrinsic. It's just they either throw it out or one of the workers takes it home, okay? Um, so he wasn't a taker in order to be a giver. That's kind of the Robin Hood weird thing, right? Um, but, man, we were sitting over there, and the other thing that they do is they fry up the okra, right? I love me some fried okra. Oh, man. Do you like fried okra? Oh, mercy. See, that comes from my daddy, my real daddy, who was a southern cook. We grew the okra in the backyard. And then what you did is you fried everything in bacon grease back then. We had a Crisco can, but the Crisco can didn't have any Crisco in it. It had bacon grease in it. Because you fried bacon, and then you poured the bacon grease into the Crisco can, 
And then you scooped out the bacon grease, and that's what you cooked everything in. So to this day, I love me some fried potatoes fried in bacon grease and some eggs over easy and some bacon. Mm -mm 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 -mm. But I really love okra. We used to grow it in our backyard, bring it in, cut it up, bread it in cornmeal, and then fry it in bacon grease. Now, it wasn't as crispy as the deep fried like they have at most of these places and like they have at Intrinsic, but I still love okra. So we were sitting. Uh, so this is incentive for you to come on Wednesday night, by the way. We go over to Intrinsic afterwards. Hello. It's lots of fun and fellowship. Anyway, we're sitting back there near the kitchen, and the same fellow that gave me the meat comes out, and he's like, here, you want some okra? Oh, yeah. So he dumps some okra there, and we're all, like, snacking on the okra. And then he comes out, and he's like, just dumps the rest of the okra there. We had so much okra, man. It was awesome. What Christmas should teach us is to be givers. I love this, I love this verse. This is very, very, very simple, Okay. Uh, this is 2 Corinthians, which I'm going through, and I'll be at this verse in the, the next couple of weeks. The Apostle Paul says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who although he was rich, he became poor for your sakes, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. It's a trade. Jesus took the full weight of your sin on him and died on the cross and rose from the grave so that your sin debt could be wiped out and you could have eternal life. He who knew no sin became our sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's Easter, that's Christmas, that's what it's all about. So I would <coughs> encourage you throughout the year, Work on being a giver. Many of you already are. But realize this. The scripture says, and this is the Apostle Paul again over in Philippians 4, when you're a giver, God's gonna make sure you have something to give. Now, not all of us have money. Some of us have more time, right? Maybe you're looking for a job and you've got more time and you don't have any money. Volunteer. Help your church out. Help somebody else out, okay? Young people. You have energy and you have time. You don't have money. Man, we need that energy and we need that time. It doesn't have to be money, okay? Your time, your talent. There's all sorts of possibilities where that goes. You know, we've got some talented people that come on Thursdays and help us out with our drama club. Maybe you have a talent in that area. Why are you wasting that talent? Let that talent be used. Maybe you can't come on Thursdays. I understand all of that. Um, but the point is, let God use that talent. Can you sing? Can you play an instrument? There's all sorts of other talents as well. But you choose to be a giver, not just use your talent to attract attention to yourself and build your brand, right? Um, there's a lot of ways that you can give. Your time, your talent, your treasure. But learn to be a giver because that's what Jesus is going to inspire the scripture says that if you're a giver, God is going to supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So you don't have to worry about not having enough. You just have to worry about allowing the Lord to guide you to the people and the places where you can plug in and where you can give. To me, that should be a primary lesson of Christmas. God gave, we receive, we become givers. Amen?
All right, we're going to conclude our service with a time uh, of communion. So what I want you to do, the band's going to come back up here, and they've got several songs that we're going to, uh, we're going to enjoy. I'm going to open the communion table, okay? Once I open the table, then you are welcome to come down here and partake of communion. Um, um, I will have Craig, for those of you that can't come down here, I'll have Craig bring the, uh, some, uh, some of the communion uh, elements to you. Same thing with the band, right? Um, and I'll be here. But what I want you to do is I want you to ask yourself, what do I need to give up today? What do I need to confess today? What do I need to give over to the Lord today? And then do that in prayer. And then as you are led, come up and partake um, of uh, the bread, which represents the body of Christ. That, to me, that helps us to understand that we're to, we're to take into ourselves the, the righteous nature of Jesus. When you're reborn, you're given a new nature, all right? You remember that old saying? Those of us that are older remember this. You are what you eat. Do you remember that? You literally become physically, your body takes that, you know, that bread and it uses it as building block for your body. See, this is what we need to do with Christ. We need to take him into ourselves and he gives us a new nature. He gives us a new heart, right? He produces righteousness in and through us. That's the bread. And the cup represents the blood of Christ. That's the life, right? The scripture says that the life is in the blood, when they offered animal sacrifices back in the Old Testament, it was a representative of their life. I'm giving my life because of my sin, because the Lord deserves my life. I'm giving my life. We're taking the life of Jesus into ourselves as we drink of that cup, right? We're not drinking real blood. That's gross, okay? In fact, the Israelites were prohibited from drinking blood. We are taking in this symbol of the life of Jesus, his life needs to become your life, right? The scripture says your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So receive the life of Jesus. Don't just take a little bread and munch on it and do a little shot of grape juice and say, okay, well, I don't know what that meant. Really receive that as Christ's body and Christ's blood and remember that he died on that cross for you and he rose from the grave, amen? is Christ. 
And you thought I couldn't preach a short sermon. It's 11.50. Maybe if our services were like this all the time, there'd be twice as many people, right? So we're going to we're gonna try to pretty much do the same thing next week. We'll hit it at an hour. And, uh, man, there is no better way for you to start off the new year than to be with God's people, right? Gathered together around the Word. And I got a good message for you next week, so I hope that you will come and bring a friend or two. God bless you. Merry Christmas.